Are we rolling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's sound? How's sound? Speed! Alright, guys. Alright, one take. Alright, mark it. Alright. Action! Like film, that's what they all say. Great movies, it's the American way. I wish they had a show where they reviewed movies, which they do. It's called the Film and You Win Show. I like movies. Big, big movies. Big movies. It's floating pictures. It's so great. Well, hey everyone, it's been a while. How are you doing? It's the Filming You In podcast back in 2020. After a long hiatus, it is I, Max Grill, ready to film you in. It is great to be back and also back with me in the studio. It is Juliet. How's it going, Juliet? It's going well. I'm glad to be back. And we're here to discuss the 92nd Annual Academy Awards. Covering the best films of 2019, and we will see who's going to take home this gold statue, who will be crowned the best of the best. Thank you for joining me for this Oscar preview night. I am excited to talk about movies. Uh, this Oscar season has been pretty good. Got some fun stuff to watch. We're going to cover all nine of the best picture categories while also kind of sliding in there our thoughts and feelings about what we think is going to win, what we wanted to win, and just kind of overall this look at these best picture nominees this year. And we'll, we're just going to kind of get into all of this. You know, we're going to have some slight spoilers. Slight. I'm going to try to like avoid going too deep into the spoilers. I'm not going to give away any heavy twists, but I think like... Well, you should be seeing all of these, but if you're listening to this, I don't know if you have time. Overall, if you're listening to a movie Oscars podcast, you probably have watched most of these movies, we would assume. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. I mean, we haven't even watched all of them, to be clear. Uh, yeah, we will discuss that. Uh, <laughs> we both found out before recording that we have not watched Ford vs. Ferrari, <laughs> but we've seen eight out of the I nine. I get it. There was a debate the other night to watch Ford vs. Ferrari, and then it just didn't happen. No. Um, so we apologize for that. It, but it would have <laughs> happened if they released the DVD earlier. They're not releasing the DVD until Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, it was the, do we um, go to theaters and see it for 30 bucks? <laughs> do we buy it for, for 20 For 20 bucks? maybe only watch it once? Or do we wait for... It to be a rental for $2. So you're not going to hold it against us that we didn't see it. We did watch the trailer twice. Eight out of nine is pretty good. That's pretty good. That's better than my test scores in college. So right, Well, that's why we're podcasting. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> Before we get into all the movies, uh, interesting year, Juliet, overall, for all the movies you watched, but also kind of looking forward to the movies that have been nominated as uh, supposedly the best of the best How did you feel about this year of movies? It's been a pretty good year. Some beautiful cinematography. Great acting this year. I don't know. I enjoyed the storytelling. Yes. um, There was some really good movies. I think what struck me the most this year overall, uh, whenever I feel the Oscars come around or it's award season, the movies that are nominated are not really reflecting uh, what I kind of thought was the best or that I enjoyed the most. And I think this year has been kind of interesting because there's a lot of movies that are nominated that I think are very rewatchable. And mm-hmm. I think that doesn't happen every single year. And I feel this year there's a good amount of movies that I feel are rewatchable that are being considered for best 
films. And I guess what I mean by that is like King's Speech, when it won Best Picture, um, I thought it was a good movie, but I'll, I've never watched that again. Right. Since that and one time. Green Book won last year. I haven't watched it since. And I watched it twice this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there was a lot of Green Book controversy last year when that yeah. went down. But yeah, so this I think this year is a little special where there's a rewatchability factor with a lot of these films this year. Uh, only time will tell of what ones are really rewatchable. I can tell you which one I'm not going to rewatch. Um, we'll get to that later. Nobody's um, got time for that. <laughs> Except for everyone's dad. It's a little too long. Yeah, I guess The Irishman would be a challenging rewatchable movie. <laughs> no, my dad has watched it five times, but probably because he's fallen asleep every 20 minutes and has yeah. to start it over again. O- o- over the holidays, my dad put The Irishman on uh, when we were just kind of doing some stuff around the house. And it was just like randomly in the middle. And I just went, what are you doing? He's like, I just thought I'd watch The Irishman for a little bit. Are we, uh, is this like a book? Do you just pick it up in the middle and just go like, I just want to read this chapter again. I mean, it was a book. Um, Irishman, still a fantastic film. Were you shocked to know that The Joker received 11 nominations? And not that it was 11, but it was the most. Um, I'm not shocked that it received 11. Um, I did expect... 1917 to also get 11, but we'll get into that later. But he got 10. He got 10. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you who I think was snubbed (laughs) later. Later. Everything's later. Yeah, because I want people to stay tuned. Yes. All right. Well, it's an interesting year. I think we're just going to go right into this. We're going to go into the film focus, and we're going to focus on your 2020 Best Picture nominees. Well, actually... Is it 2019? Uh, It's the 92nd Academy Awards. The 92nd Academy Awards. So it goes any movie that was in 2019, but you call it the 92nd Academy Award winners. Gotcha. But it's the 2019 Oscars. Safe to say that it's the 92nd, though. It's the Oscars that are going to be on in February 2020 that are covering the 2019 (laughs) films. All right, it's time. Let's get into the film focus, and we will break down the Best Picture nominees. Juliet. Yes, Max. (laughs) Juliet, tell me... What's the first film we are going to discuss? First, I want to tell you that I have placed these in a random order. So not to showcase our preference for any of these films. Uh, And the order that I have gone in is by total running time. I just want to let you know, that's not a random order. Um, Just to clarify (laughs) what random draw means. Well, it's not preferential order. This is an unbiased order. I, okay, I dig that. But we're the going longest by, film is at the end. We're going by runtime. So the first film we have at 108 respectable minutes is Jojo Rabbit. Jojo is a lonely German boy who discovers that his single mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their attic. Aided only by his imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, Jojo must confront his blind nationalism as World War II continues to rage on. 
Yes, this film was directed by Tahiki Watiti. Uh, loved him from his early days with Flight of the Concords. Uh, that's where I really kind of opened up to his work. And then, of course, he did the TV show. Uh, well, movie first, then mm-hmm. the TV show What We Do in the Shadows. Um, then, of course, he's was a, a delightful treat to the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> with uh, Thor Ragnarok. He's honestly a delightful treat all the time. And we I can't forget it. also... Uh, the Mandalorian with Star Wars as well. Right. Um, his involvement with that. Uh, the guy's great. Mm-hmm. And I think Jojo Rabbit is definitely, you can see this is a, a very, I don't know, personal project of his. It seems, you know, he, he from script to directing to acting in this, uh, his imprint was very strong in this film. Yeah, and it's, it's really fun, um, but also has the seriousness of what was going on in World War II. And it's, a really interesting take on it, a young um, boy that idealizes the the Nazi regime, and he is fascinated by them, and he thinks of himself as a Nazi. And his his mother, who is clearly not, but she is supportive of him and his imagination, um, but she is, is obviously rebellious as she's hiding a young Jewish girl in their attic, in the walls. Yeah, Jojo Rabbit, I think, is the uh, best way to describe it is just, you know, with Nazi, you know, Germany, when all of the World War II, when it was all going down, you know, there's a youth, you know, mm-hmm. that's coming through that. And to see it through the eyes of Jojo, through his innocence and his just kind of blind loyalty, go through that journey to kind of go, this is kind of messed up. Yeah. Um, this Jewish girl hiding in my... Uh, my house is a human as well, right? And uh, mixed with the the comical, but yet kind of strange, uh, his imaginary <laughs> friend Adolf Hitler, played by Tahiki Watiti, um, played by Tahiki Watiti. Uh, it was it, it was it was a fun fantasy. It was it yeah. was a weird fantasy film, you know, set in World War II, where um, the war was kind of ending in this mm-hmm. movie too. It was kind of like they were already kind of lost at that, or maybe right. I mean, well, spoiler alert: the Nazis did not win. Oh, well, somewhat shoot. Otherwise, I didn't know that was a cliffhanger at the end. <laughs> um, also, there's a great performance by Sam Rockwell as well in this yeah. film. Um, that was a really amazing character that he played. And I think Rebel Wilson played Re- Rebel Wilson as a Nazi. Oh, yeah, I can't forget about that. <laughs> My favorite character in this whole film, though, was Scarlett Johansson, and I definitely understand why she's nominated for Sporting Actress because for how... I wouldn't say comical because no matter what, you're dealing with Nazis, so it can't all be funny, but the movie's kind of a little uh, abstract. And she brings so much depth to it. When and... She also grounds us back to the yes. seriousness of everything, and I think... That was challenging to do in the, the this film because there's part of it that this is kind of Wes Anderson does a Nazi movie. Yeah. But Scarlett Johansson, jo- but Scarlett Johansson is there and her character is just great to really kind of ground us. Like, no, this is some this ser- is serious. This is serious. That's going down. It, it I is wish my, real. You know, like as 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 fantastical as it is throughout him having an imaginary friend and and the comedy that's surrounding Nazis. Throughout all of it, it really does ground it. And it really brings a seriousness to it. And we're not going to spoil anything here. We're just going to say you definitely should watch it. It is nominated for six awards. Best Picture, Supporting Actress for Scarlett Johansson, uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Production Design, Best Costume Design, and Best Film Editing. 
Jojo Rabbit will win none of these. A little disappointed that uh, Tahiki Watiti did not get nominated for director as well, but I can kind of understand why. Uh, just looking overall at who got nominated for best director, um, I think it might have a shot at adapted screenplay. And honestly, I think Scarlett Johansson should win for supporting actress, but she won't. Uh, but if I had my say, I would vote for her for for sure. Um, overall, though, I think it's just an honor for the movie to get nominated and get recognized by the Cat Academy. And I just hope that this is a sign of good things to come because, like I said, Tahika Watiti, I think, is the winner here to have a film that's just recognized by the Oscars. And hopefully there's more amazing things to come, both in TV and film. So it won the BAFTA for Best Adapted Screenplay. And it also won a Critics' Choice for Best Young Actor for Roman Griffin Davis, who plays the lead Jojo. But all three kids were nominated. Yeah, let's talk about the little kids a little bit. They were great. (laughs) Uh, who's his friend in the movie? Archie Yates um, plays his friend Yorkie, is a little British actor, um, and that's actually my my made up award for this movie is kid I want to adopt. <laughs> uh, I just I just want to take this kid home to live in the house, read him a bedtime story every night, and just have him say things like, "Oh, it's a hard time to be a Nazi." He's yeah. the cutest thing in the world. Well, hopefully he wouldn't be a Nazi if he... Uh... Well, that's why I'm adopting him. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're <laughs> going to be his Scarlett Johansson. I am. Um, I'm just curious. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Who are your other nominees for uh, kids you want to adopt based on the films you watched this year? Uh, I want to adopt the kid from Parasite. Which one? The the, the one the camping, <laughs> the one that likes to camp outside the window so I can stay in my house while he camps outside. Okay, well, my nominee is going to be Joaquin Phoenix from Joker because, you know, he had a good relationship with his mom. So He needs a dad figure. He needs a father figure. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, the, the the little boys were awesome in that movie. And, and Thomas and Mackenzie, who plays um, the, the girl in the attic, she is yes, she lovely. Yes, she was great as well. A, a New Zealand actress, actually. So, Juliet, do you think that they stand to win any awards? I mean, they didn't win any Golden Globes. I agree with you. I think Tahiki Watiti was completely snubbed for a Best Supporting Actor nomination, actually. He brought a whimsy to Adolf Hitler that I never knew I needed. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I don't know who he would get who he'd replace, though. I don't agree with this replacing thing. You know, if we're going to give nine people a nomination for Best Picture, throw another one in there. Yeah. This is a theme that I'm going to go with this year. Either give me only six or five Best Picture nominees or give me more of the other things. Okay. I don't know if America is ready to give a movie with Funny Hitler a Best Adapted Screenplay Oscar, but Britain was. Yes. Okay. So maybe we'll get there next year when there's another Hitler movie. Times are a-changing. So do you have a fake award? Yes, to go along with the theme of, you know, Hitler, I'm going to say best use of Hitler in a comedy. Definitely won that and exceeded. And I can't think of another movie that used Hitler in a comedy this year. That's true. Yeah. So, so one you, nominee. We don't need nine nominees for that. We don't. Jojo Rabbit, though, really fun movie. Is it rewatchable to you, Juliet? I would say, yeah, I'd watch it again. I'm excited to rewatch it. Yes. Eventually. Um, I feel 
it would be pleasant to watch it again because you'll pick up on probably more things that you probably missed the first time. Uh, but really good cast. Really yeah. good cast. The most charmed you'll be watching a movie about Nazis. Definitely. In your lifetime. Most charming Nazis since Rolf from Sound of Music. Uh, yeah. And that's been a long gap yep. since that's happened. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our next film. At a gorgeous 119 minutes is the film 1917. During World War I, two British soldiers, Lance Corporal Schofield and Lance Corporal Blake, receive seemingly impossible orders. In a race against time, they must cross over into enemy territory to deliver a message that could potentially save 1,600 of their fellow comrades. 1917, directed by Sam Mendes, nominated for 10 Oscars this year. Nominated for all the big ones. <laughs> best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Original Score, Best Cinematography, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Production Design, Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, Best Visual Effects, and that's it. <laughs> and the heart of millions. Yes. Yeah, so 1917, I recently saw this. So it's kind of fresh in my mind. It's an amazing film. Yeah. Um. It is could possibly set the precedent because it's doing very much the Birdman thing mm-hmm. to do a, a movie to appear as a one-take film. And I think that was an amazing choice for the film. It works out perfectly. I mean, there's just a lot it's to love gorgeous. with that. It's, it's gorgeous. It's, it's beautifully shot. It, it keeps you... It's weird because there's some times where you're just feeling tense when not intense things are happening. But I think it's the overall journey of these two characters across, like, you know, the the, the journey that they go to deliver this message. The, the way that it's just shot, like, with one take, where it, like, has that feel of one take, the camera's constantly just following them. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're just on the journey with them and just beautifully done production design. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that it's such a, a simple idea, a simple plot of... Two men are given an order and they must get from point A to point B. And this that's the that's the plot of the movie. And it's just so gorgeous and so complex and so stressful the entire journey that you're on that you you forget how simple it was. Just get this to this. Get this. Well, how how simple it was, but also how difficult it was as well. At the well, same simple time. as in the, the a plot of something like that is simple. Like, yes. get, get this message to this person. Yeah, and I'm agreeing with you. But then it's like the movie itself, like bring this message. But just how difficult that was. Can't do that in 2020. You can't just go tweet it. <laughs> um, that's what I was saying the whole time. Like, send an email, bro. Jeez, so take, complicated. Or take an Uber. For, God, for, for, he's for complaining real. about not eating. You know, we have Postmates. The journey that they go through, the production design, it was fantastic. It felt like all the different set pieces that they would journey through just all had a story behind it, whether it's you see a dead body here or a broken down building. Um, just, It's really an amazing You never movie. know what's going to be behind any corner, which I think is really special about this is it's such an unpredictable thing that you're you're there with them you're in the trenches literally wondering what's going to happen next because you could think that you're in a peaceful moment but boom something else happens 
it killed it at the BAFTAs. I think it won like eight awards, including Best Film and Best British Film. Getting greedy, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, it also won Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture Drama and Best Film Director, which bodes really well for Sam. Yeah, and then, it's, of course, this is Sam Mendes that's about to get his second Oscar, most likely uh, got American Beauty. It's like In the, 20 years, so it's like the longest. It's like the largest gap, I think. Yeah. Um, he just went out and made this film like, no, you need to see this in the theaters. Like, this is cinema. Yes. And I will say I watched it on TV because I have a fear of war movies and I did not want to watch it in a place where I was stuck in a seat to have to watch it and watch things that weren't going to make me comfortable. So you don't and watch movies like Clockwork Orange style with no, like your eyes peeled open? No, that's my nightmare. <laughs> okay. And I, I will say that after... Watching it, uh, I am 100% going to try to see it in a theater and see it how it's supposed to be seen because it was beautiful. And my, my fake award for it is actually best war movie that didn't make me want to run away. Yes. And that's the personal Juliet Awards. That is. So. That is. I'm going to hold those. We call them the Maggies. <laughs> it, it, it's a really amazing film. I hope it doesn't set this precedent, even though I do love the effect of the one take feel mm-hmm. film. Uh, I love long take scenes. Of course, Birdman won Best Picture uh, some years ago. I think it was like three or four years ago with the same concept. Revenant did a couple of these long takes. Revenant, same director. Mm-hmm. Those films that exist, they're very engaging. It's a cool look. I just hope that it doesn't set a precedent of oh, the one-take movie is going to win every single year. Well, I also hope that it doesn't mean that everyone's going to try to do that because there's a way that it can be executed really well like this, and there's a way it could be executed really poorly, and I'm terrified to see <laughs> someone try to execute it. Uh, uh, it could it could be a hot like mess. They shouldn't be making a Will Ferrell comedy with a one-take. Um, <laughs> Anchorman 3 should not be a one-take film. Oh, God. Um, do you remember the um, It's Always Sunny episode? Yes, uh, it's that was brilliantly done. So that was amazing. Uh, that's that was my, Charlie I, work. Yeah, that was I think the episode. that's probably my favorite episode that they've done. Uh, I can be debated on that. Uh, but yeah, Charlie work, basically, they're doing the Birdman. So it's kind of funny where that was the best episode, in my opinion, is doing that same style. Right. So I think that style but it was done well. It was done well. And 1917, of course, was done well. I put them in the and same so, category. Always Sunny in Philadelphia in 1917. <laughs> well, you got Birdman, you got 1917, you got Charlie Work. <laughs> I will say that it was uh, snubbed for one award. I think it should have been nominated for uh, Best Actor for George McKay. He was in every single scene. 119 minutes, he's in it all. He should have gotten something. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he didn't get nominated considering, like you said, he's in every single shot of this film. Uh, and I'm I'm like emotional with this guy along for this journey. I'm I again not, I don't want to put some spoilers out there for anyone, but he has these moments where you can you're processing what he's processing and what he's about to do. Yeah, and you're, you're feeling for him. You're it's intense and uh, it's engaging and it's it's just all of it just means this was a really awesome movie. Every scene, and he didn't even get nominated. Yeah, and it was also not nominated for best editing as well um which i thought was interesting because usually films that are just nominated for so many academy awards editing is certainly included in that 
Yes. But, and it's um, added sound editing and sound mixing is in there. We're looking at visual effects. We're looking at so many things that are relying upon editing to be yes. done as well. It's just really bizarre. So I'd say those were the two snubs. Because, I mean, just even to create the effect of one take is requires talented editing. Yeah. So, But I guess only five can get nominated. Just weird yeah. that it's kind of left out of that category. It is. Funny fact, though, only one film since 1980 has won Best Picture without film editing, with a film editing nomination, and that was Birdman, 2014. Oh. So uh, Birdman, 1917, similar style films, probably on, you know, 1917's ready to follow it to Best Picture also – it did not get nominated for editing as well. well. So I guess they really think they're just filming the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was just one long take. You don't have to make any cuts. You just like it was one threw long it take. in the timeline, threw some sound effects. Duh. You added easy. <laughs> well, like I said, it killed it at the BAFTAs with all of its awards. So I think it's safe to say that it's probably going to sweep a lot of these categories here. A uh, real award that I think it's going to win and should win is probably cinematography. There was just so many instances of... Just pure beauty throughout this movie. It has to. Oh, yeah. And it's Roger Deakins. It's yeah. Roger Deakins does Birdman. Um, that should have been the first title. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's definitely going to win cinematography. I think it definitely needs to win production design because the production design, there's a story behind every single set piece location that they travel through throughout this film. And it would be a tragedy. If it did not win for production design. It would be World War Three. And I don't know if we were saving this to the end, but I mean, it's going to win Best Picture and it's going to win Best Director. It's kind of, we're going to have to sit through this award show, just not in suspense. I agree with you. Yeah. It's probably going to be 1917. It would probably be shocking if it wasn't. But there were a lot of good movies this year that we are about to continue talking about. So... Maybe one of them will win. Yeah, and also just to hammer it on, there there are uh, betting odds on on the Oscars major awards. Nineteen seventeen is at like minus two thirty. So I mean, and then Parasite's next to it with plus three twenty five. So it just apparently this is an uncut gems podcast over here because we're supposed to know what that means. <laughs> and if you wanted to know the odds for best director, <laughs> just look that up quick too. Uh, Sam Mendes is negative eight thirty five. That means he's. Gonna win. Yes. Gotcha. So, yeah. Listen, bet against it. Quentin, bet against it and you can make some bank. Unless Quentin Tarantino has like this special jewel that he got from a mine. <laughs> <laughs> and you feel, you know. He's just throwing it for good luck. We're looking at 1917. Mm-hmm. It's going to take basically all the major awards that it's nominated for. Well, that does not mean that you should stop listening to us here because we I'm still done. have more movies to go. Next on our list is Joker at 122 minutes. Forever alone in a crowd, failed comedian Arthur Fleck seeks connection as he walks the streets of Gotham City. Arthur wears two masks, the one he paints for his day job as a clown and the guys he protects in a futile attempt to feel like he's part of the world around him. Isolated, bullied, and disregarded by society, Fleck begins a slow descent into madness as he transforms into the criminal mastermind known as the Joker. Todd Phillips directs the Joker. Yes. Of course, this is Todd Phillips' uh, first notable uh, darker tone film. He took a break from making three hangover movies. 
in Old School, where mm-hmm. he also acted in that. And uh, he says, I'm here for the gangbang. So different kind of tone for Todd Phillips. But uh, Joker, very controversial. This is yeah. the most controversial film out of all the nominees, I feel, this yes. year. Um, nominated for 11. That's the most out of the awards. Um, Joker, it's not a comic book movie. No. But it, of course, is based on the famous arch nemesis of Batman, uh, as in the Joker. I, myself, am waiting patiently for the Mr. Freeze sequel. With Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yes. What's it called? Freeze. <laughs> that will be really interesting to Starring see. Starring John Cena. I don't, yeah, I don't think that's going to make it to uh, the Academy's level, but I'll still watch it. <laughs> freeze, cool, chill, freeze. winter, freeze, let's kick some ice. Anyways, let's talk about the Joker. Joaquin Phoenix, amazing performance, and I think regardless of how, about how you feel about Joker, I think this is really just Joaquin Phoenix. When I look back at this movie, it'll be everything that he gave into that movie. He carries this whole film. And that is hard to do. Oh, yeah. There's I mean, barely any supporting actors and actresses in this movie. It is just Joaquin Phoenix taking us on this film. Yeah, he's bonkers town and it works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's bonkers town and it works. It's an amazing performance by him, an amazing transformation. I think people have been kind of wanting this film for a while of just like a Joker standalone movie. It's nice that they went in a different direction than it wasn't just another DC comic film, another like Marvel, you know, the the MCU. It was just kind of its own thing. And yeah. I think that was really nice. They won it won the BAFTA and Golden Globe for Best Actor, Joaquin Phoenix, and Best Original Score. It also won the Guinness World Record for first R rated film to earn one billion dollars. On a super low budget, too. This movie made bank. They made this movie for barely anything, and they exceeded expectations. They didn't need any of that crap. Yeah, it was was a really big deal when this movie came out. Of course, a lot of people were kind of warning against, like, you know, the... I guess the the effects of a film like this being released out into the public. Right, Um, because it was romanticizing someone that had terrorist ideals without putting too much into there, somebody who was not a good person. There was even a police officer when I saw it that was checking bags as people were entering the theater because of threats. One thing I will say about Joker, though, is I don't think it really deserves to be called Best Picture. I don't think it deserves to be nominated. I can totally understand Joaquin Phoenix winning, getting nominated, this is a role that he had put some like intense work into. And this is kind of when you win where I think he was still better in the master. Um, but I still think this is overall like you give him the award and it's kind of, you're getting an award for not only your performance in this film, but for how amazing you've been as an actor in our lives. Sort of Leo getting the revenant. Cause he was snubbed for so long. And then they were like, okay, you can have this for, yeah, I, I think it's very similar because I think that when Leo won for The Revenant, it's similar to the Scorsese winning for The Departed. Yeah. It's that moment where these are good performances, these are good movies, but we kind of are giving you 
an award because now it's time to finally give you that one award. I think that's what gets tricky about a lot of Oscars. It just feels like a lot of people sometimes just get an award because they haven't had one yet. Mm -hmm. But I do not want that to be taken away because I think his performance is is pretty tough. Yeah. And it's pretty remarkable. And, I mean, I just think he was amazing in the movie. Now, as a movie, though, it's it's very problematic. And Mm -hmm. I can understand the critique that people have in that movie. I do not get into the world where people say, like, that movie was trash. Because no. it's not trash. No. But if you come at it from a logical point of view, there is some problematic elements with dealing with mental health, uh, violence, and, you know, just, you know, because there could be a way to look at this film of, oh, someone's off their meds, so then they get violent. I think it's interesting, like a film like this, to get nominated for the most awards yeah. out of all of this. Um, but here we are. We're looking at, I mean, best actor. I mean, this is it. Like, it's just it has to. It ha- he has to win Best Actor. Uh, yeah. I I think I've listened to the scores that are up for Best Score, and I do think it's it's one of the the best ones, if not the best one. Um, it definitely like I can my head gets into the Joker when I'm listening to it. I think it's interesting though because well, do you want to hear the odds of Joaquin Phoenix? They don't mean anything to me. <laughs> negative five thousand if you pick him. Oh, Next negative 100 is- billion. I don't know what it means. <laughs> what it means is Joaquin Phoenix is winning. Yeah. Um, so says the internet. So says. Which is never wrong. <laughs> well, it's not the internet. It's just Vegas. <laughs> oh, which is, which is also <laughs> never wrong. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix, accept your award and can't wait to see what kind of speech Cannot he Cannot wait for that speech. He has to win just for speeches. That's that's what I care about. I do have a fake award. Uh, yeah, what is your fake award? Uh, best use of a fridge not to chill food. <laughs> so I saw Joker twice in theaters. <laughs> for some reason, the second time I watched it, I noticed the fridge part, but I don't remember it from the first time I watched it. What does that mean? <laughs> Sometimes you just got chill out. I just the second time I was watching, I'm like, how did I miss this? You know what it is? I'm climbing it's into the, a refrigerator. It's the sign that Freeze is the next film. Freeze. Oh, it was there. Arnold Schwarzenegger's in his refrigerator. <laughs> He's in the freezer. So what we're gonna see the promo, we're gonna see Joaquin climbing into the the, the fridge, and then the freezer door is gonna open, and he's gonna say, "Time for you to chillax." My fake award is. Most cigarettes smoked in a movie. More than The Irishman? Did those guys smoke a lot? Did you watch The Joker? <laughs> More than I watched The Irishman. Okay, cool. Yeah, Joker, he smokes a lot. A lot of those those stoves. So, I, think we're, I think we're ready to move on. Ooh. What's our next film? Our next film at 132 lovely minutes is Parasite. Greed and class discrimination threaten the newly formed symbiotic relationship between the wealthy Park family and the destitute Kim clan. Can't give anything away with that description. (laughs) It was funny because a lot of people seem to complain about this movie online because the trailer doesn't really let you know what's going on. And that was my favorite part about (laughs) this movie. Um I was blown away. Uh, Twitter, all the other social media outlets go, 
you know, like you can see the trailer, like come see the movie that, you know, blah, blah, critics are saying. And I love reading comments like, dude, I don't know anything about this movie. Waste of time. Well, what's funny is if you're if you're reading the screen on the trailers, you're seeing people's comments like hilarious, this, that, all this stuff. But then the trailer that you're watching is kind of dark and looks like it's going to be a horror film. So that is kind of your first clue of, oh, wait a minute. This is there's something different here. This is not not what it seems. And it, it's one of those movies that I I want to watch it multiple times so I don't have to keep reading the subtitles like I want to keep watching it so I know it so well that I can really enjoy this movie and 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 watch it as a as a film because I think it's beautiful I think it's funny I think it's smart like so smart and I just I I loved it and I I'm sure I missed so much so many nuances to it because I had to read it so I am ready to watch it multiple times, which you will never hear me say, because it's 132 minutes that I had to put my phone down. And we know how I feel about that. Your reviews are great. <laughs> I had to put my phone down. I put my phone down and I liked it. I think what's remarkable about Parasite is how multi-genre the film is. It's comedy. It's it's thriller, um, suspense. I don't, I don't know. Drama. There's just so much to pack into this film, and it's it's shot beautifully. The concept, though, is so simple. It's just dealing with rich and poor people. Yes. And the the divide between classism. And it just seems like, why hasn't someone thought of a movie like this? And I, it didn't get old to me. There, there's no. a There's a moment where you see what's going on, and you love it. I, I love what's happening. And then there's a crazy turn. Crazy. But I'm kind of like, cool. Take me on Let's that ride. This. Let's keep, do it. Keep it coming. Directed by Bong Joon-ho. Yeah, he's nominated for Best Director. Uh, also Original Screenplay. Um, best International Feature Film. Best Picture. Best Production Design. And Best Film Editing. Note, Best International Feature Film. This is the first time. The Academy has named that category Best International Feature Film. They are no longer calling it Foreign Language Film. Oh, that's interesting. Look at that. Progress. International Feature Film instead of Foreign Language Feature Film. I guess it's just a different way to say it. Listen, America's a melting (laughs) pot, and we shouldn't call it Foreign Language just because it's not English. It was also back-to-back years because Roma was nominated for both International and Best Picture and Parasite uh, the same way. Yeah. Also, this is the first Korean film to receive a Best Picture nomination and only the sixth film to be nominated for both Best Picture and International Feature Film. Yeah, and the the hope is that Parasite could be an awesome gateway film to open up to like a beautiful world of, of other you know films like from, from Korea. And you know what I mean? Just to know that, listen, you know, the exposure of this film, like you really like this, there's probably amazing cinema that you're missing out on. And Bong Joon-ho said it himself uh, during his acceptance speech at the Golden Globes because he won for Best Foreign Language because they're still calling it that there. Um, Not progress. Not progress at the Globes. uh, But he said, uh, once you get over the one-inch barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more amazing films. Basically, his comment was about subtitles on the screen, the the, the barrier. And he's 100% right. Oh, it has subtitles? I'm not in the mood. I joke about putting my phone down. It's impossible for me to put my phone down. I said, 
I have to see this movie in a theater, so I'm forced to put my damn phone down. It's true. And it's because we're so attached to everything. But just watching something like this, it's brilliant and it's beautiful. And it's honestly, it's my pick for Best Picture, although I don't think it's going to win Best Picture. But I loved it. And I will watch it again and again. It's it's great. It's so good. Julia, you should just put your phone down. <laughs> I think this is the best picture this year. It won't win, but it will win international feature film. Production design, it will not win because I think 1917 edges it for me. But, you know, fun fact, the house was a set. So they built that. That wasn't just like a house they found. So That's amazing. But I think that's why I got nominated. Um, I wish we could really just kind of dive into what the twist was because blew my mind all of a sudden I'm like this is because you think the movie is one thing and then it just literally it is like something completely different at the end well maybe after the Oscars <laughs> we will go ahead and do, do a, special, a parasite. special parasite filming you in episode I think it's a really awesome movie I'm glad that it is getting so many nominations that it got but I think what we're looking at is best international feature film it would be great if it won best picture but I just don't think we're there yet but then when the 93rd Academy Awards. If Parasite won Best Picture, I would not be upset. I would be pleasantly surprised. Well, we should put money on it in your little Vegas thing you've got going on. Do you want to know the odds for Parasite? Sure. Tell me numbers that don't make sense. <laughs> Plus 325 for Parasite. Does that mean if I put a dollar in, I get $325? It means you get $32.50. Okay. See, I can I understand it like that now. And that means if you put one dollar towards nineteen seventeen winning best picture, you'll get two cents. So <laughs> really, yeah, because it's gonna win because that's <laughs> what they're saying. What is your fake award for Parasite? My fake award for Parasite is best basement. Okay. So just seeing who else has a basement. <laughs> Uh, 1917, there's a few basements they walked into. True. Uh, but I thought Parasite's basement was better. Yeah. My fake award is best party scene. And I think we can easily agree that that was so much better than the March family Christmas. Best party scene? You didn't like the divorce and marriage story? They were partying. Oh, that was a good party. That was a good party. <laughs> a parting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if people would say that was the best party in Parasite. I enjoyed that party. I don't think people left that party and said, that party was, that was dope. A dope party. <laughs> you guys just need to watch Parasite. Yeah. God, <laughs> I want to spoil it so bad. We'll, we'll do one of these. We'll do a we'll do a Parasite filming you in. All right. That means we get to watch it again. You get to yes. put your phone down. Oh, I'm learning <laughs> Korean after this. It's going to be great. All right. Parasite. That's our best picture. But, but we know it's not the Academy's best picture. It's not going to be the Academy's best picture. <laughs> What's another movie that won't beat 1917? <laughs> well, it won't be 1917, and it's definitely not going to win Best Director because it's Little Women, which is 135 minutes long. In the years after the Civil War, Joe March lives in New York and makes her living as a writer, while her sister Amy studies painting in Paris. Amy has a chance encounter with Theodore, a.k.a. Lori, a childhood crush who proposed to Joe, but was ultimately rejected. Their oldest sibling, Meg, is married to a schoolteacher, while shy sister Beth develops a devastating illness that brings the family back together. 
written and directed by Greta Gerwig. Academy Award nominated Greta Gerwig. But not for directing. Uh, yeah, she was definitely snubbed for Best Director. She's 100% snubbed for Best Director. I think that all the Best Director nominations are fine. I just think that you've pointed this out several times now. Just expand. Give know. me six. What's six nominations going to do? Well, Another I don't think just do like six. There? It's just you're nominating nine pictures, maybe like, I don't know. It's kind of weird because we have nine Best Pictures and then it's just five. For director, I just feel like maybe the field should get expanded a little bit more. I mean, if you're going to have nine best pictures, why can't you have nine best directors? You can have five of everything else. I'll give you five of everything else. But like, give me, I think each best picture should also have a best director nomination because of how much the director has put into this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, if it just got expanded, then we don't have this controversy. But then it will eventually come down to... I can't believe this didn't get nominated, you know? I mean, because at the end of the day, I think, like, someone's going to be upset that someone got excluded because everyone just can't get nominated every single year. She's brought Shersha Ronan back because that is her golden girl who she puts in everything. And she's an amazing actress. And she brought her to the story. She brought Timothy Chalamet, who I know you're not a fan of, to the story. He's fine. She's brought Florence Pugh to this story. <laughs> she has brought Laura Dern to this story. She brought all of these pieces together and made this beautiful story. And we're not going to give her best director. She took this classic thing that's been translated many, many times and made it fresh and new and got people excited about it again? Well, I think that's one of the... When you look at the ones that were nominated for director, um, one, I, I'll i say this again, the five that got nominated, I think all deserved it as well. So I think it gets kind of tough. Um, but also those are all kind of original material for the most part. I mean, Joker was a adaptation based on a comic book character. Irishman was based on a book. Irishman was based on a book. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it later because it's the longest movie. <laughs> well, I stand corrected. I just think uh, maybe that was one thing, though. It's because Little Women, you know, was uh, it was a film that was made 20 years ago. So maybe that's like something with... Uh, All the more reason. She made it different. Yeah, and she did make it different. And let's just say this. I really like Little Women. I, I've, I, I love that it was nominated for Best Picture. I think it was a really awesome uh, retelling of this classic story. Yes, and uh, so it was nominated for six awards. Best Picture, Best Actress, Saoirse Ronan, Best Supporting Actress, Frances Pugh, who was also in Midsommar, who many people say she was better in that and should have been nominated for that movie. Uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, which is honestly, I would like her to win this because I think she did adapt Little Women as best as she could to make it Interesting and fresh and different. Uh, it's also up for best original score and best costume design. I would have been fine with her being nominated for Thank best you. director. I'm in no way saying that she did not deserve to be nominated for best director. I just think if they expanded it, we wouldn't run into this issue because I think if she wasn't number five, she was probably six or seven. So I don't think anyone's arguing that. Um, you can definitely call her a snub. Mm -hmm. um, I know that there's been arguments before that, you know, there's a lot of beautiful movies made this year by beautiful female directors. And once again, it's five male directors, but I'm still looking at the five that were nominated this year. I think they did great work as well. So it's hard for me to, 
I mean, I could see pulling Scorsese out of this category because he's been nominated so many other times, but I think The Irishman was a really good movie. So I can see why he also is nominated. Um, I mean, maybe the, the Academy was going, oh, well, we'll give her best picture and best screenplay. But um, it sucks, you know, to be kind of left out of the award that you feel that you at least deserved a nomination. Mm-hmm. Um. It's a fantastic movie, though. It is. It, it won the BAFTA for Best Costume and Best Adapted Screenplay, so she does okay. have a chance. So she, so for Costume and Best Adapted Screenplay, it mm-hmm. won. I could see it totally winning for um, the Adapted Screenplay. Do you think it deserves Costume? I could see it getting Costumes. Those are pretty. The Academy loves the period costumes. In the words of my mother, period pieces always win Best Costume. Yes, I, would, I, I, I put see, it down for best costume. I could see it winning best costume. I think it's a toss-up between Joker and Little Women for costume. Okay. That's what I kind of think will probably happen. Um, I could see definitely Little Women winning costume. I could see it win adapted screenplay. It's not going to win, but honestly, I think Florence Pugh uh, deserves... She was very good. She was. And she should be Best Supporting Actress. She's going to get snubbed, but it definitely, with her year that she had, and she's about to be in the new Black Widow movie, um, she is going to do well. She is going to go far. She is young. She's lovely. She's becoming, uh, her star is growing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just think that she deserves it. Yeah. (laughs) Has Saoirse won anything yet? No, she was nominated for Lady Bird. And Brooklyn. But I think we both agree that when Renee Zellweger is going to win Best Actress. Yeah. 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 I'd say if, if Renee Zellweger didn't win, it goes to Charlize Theron, and then it goes to Scarlett Johansson, and then it would go to Cersei Ronan. But I think supporting actress, you know, Florence Pugh or Scarlett Johansson is probably who I'd rather want to win. Mm-hmm. But Laura Dern will win for Marriage Story. Yeah. Because that is, once again, an award for... Not maybe for this film, but for everything that you've done for us that we've, you know, especially Jurassic Park. Um, Little Women, I really enjoyed this. This is a movie that I think you can watch like every holiday season from now until eternity. Um, And we will. And it was an awesome movie. Would have loved to see Greta Gerwig get nominated here. But for how upset people have been, it's just like if if she does another one of those award winning films probably gonna get nominated she needs and, to and she'll probably eventually unfortunately become a director that probably will win an award for not her best work for yeah <laughs> but for like the last six amazing movies that she's right. done that's true um do you have a fake award for this one i do have a fake award for this um do you want to do yours first oh my god that means you got a good one all right well my fake <laughs> award is for best snarky plot twist um because in her script, she stuck with the original ending of Little Women, but she kind of gave it her own spin that I think a lot of people will like because they're, you know, without giving too much away, it, it's definitely, it's the the real ending, how, how it was supposed to end, how the book ends and everything, but she puts a little twist on it. It's a little snarky. It's a little fun. And I think people will like it, especially artistic women. Yeah, I I mean the ending was kind of fun uh to how it played out. It's it's hard when the movie has been redone multiple times to make it fresh. I mean Bradley Cooper did it last year with A Star is Born. It it was 
still an amazing movie, which I think has a lot to do with the music as well for a movie like that. But with this, it's a story that's been told millions of times, millions of ways. And she gave it a fresh little twist at the end that was funny. But there was that Christopher Nolan-y kind of time hopping going on during the movie. Mm-hmm. And what I'll say is overall, I thought that was fresh. I will say there was a few times that was distracting for me. So if yes. I wanted to critique the movie a little bit, there's a few times that I literally got because it's easy if you have young Kirsten Dunst and then older Kirsten Dunst in this movie. But like it was hard because they're supposed to be aging, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Florence Pugh's character. And I think Florence Pugh helped me do that through her acting. But there was sometimes I, I got a little confused of, <laughs> wait, wait, is she, what are we talking wait, about right where now? Are we? Wait, where are, are we, we right she's now? France. Where, where's Meryl Streep? Wait, she's talking about going to France? <laughs> Who's again, going to again, are we going to France again? What is happening? Where is I'm she confused. Live? No, overall though, it was not confusing to follow. There's just a few times that got a little Christopher Nolan with the time jumping, <laughs> and I was just, I got a little confused there. But yes. do you want to know my fake award? Yes. Okay, my fake award for Little Women is best use of Bob Odenkirk. With. <laughs> <laughs> When he that was really distracting. When, when he comes back from the war and he plays dad, <laughs> maybe that's why Greta Gerwig didn't win Best Director because <laughs> although I I love Bob, I love uh, Just Call Saul. I I'm Better Call um, Saul. Better Call Saul and Just Call him. Whatever. Just, just call the guy. Whatever. Uh, it was very distracting, and I just kind of went, "Why is he in this?" You movie? know what? I'm. I'm actually going to give you that one because it was incredibly distracting for me. And maybe as a young director, she she should have said, all right, I know we love him, but he needs to be elsewhere. Like he should have been he should have been the the New York guy that was like telling her like, oh, write the story like a man. That made sense. He's played that character. He should have been that role. He does that role. He is that role. Should have flipped it and had him play that role and had that guy play the dad because it was so distracting to have Bob Odenkirk in this yeah, movie. Yeah, I was just waiting for David Cross to show up. <laughs> and it was just like, we're in a Mr. Show bit. Um, but in, in fairness, I said it was the best use of him. But but the trick is, I'm saying it wasn't the best use because I was just laughing of, wait, why is he in this movie? What's going on here? It's a good one. All right. How many, how many more of these do we have? We have four more. Four we- more? We are a little more than halfway there. Okay. I feel like this podcast has been like the Irishman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're not there yet because we're only at the next movie, which is 137 minutes long. Right. What's the next movie? Our next movie is Marriage Story. A stage director and his actor wife struggle through a grueling coast-to-coast divorce that pushes them into their personal and creative extremes. This is uh, directed by Noah Baumbach. Greta Gerwig's boyfriend and baby daddy? Yeah. Noah Baumbach is a really talented screenwriter and director. Um, he's one of Wes Anderson's like main writers. He wrote The Life Aquatic, uh, Royal Tenenbaums, but also wrote and directed Squid and the Whale, mm-hmm. Margot at the Wedding, which also starred his then-wife Jennifer Jason Lee, which is interesting with marriage story because he brings so much personal of his own life and experiences into his own screenplays and mm-hmm. scripts that he directs. 
And Marriage Story is loosely based on his actual divorce to J- Jennifer Jason Lee, which she kind of signed off. So it was written a lot about his experiences uh, divorcing from his actress wife. Yes, because he said Squid and the Whale was about his parents' divorce. And yep. Marriage Story took pieces of his parents' divorce, but was more based upon his divorce with Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, and the struggles. And it makes a lot of sense because Adam Driver plays uh, director, director. Uh, writer. Scarlett Johansson plays his actress wife. Mm -hmm. So it's nominated for six awards. Best Picture, Best Actor, Adam Driver, Best Actress, Scarlett Johansson. Also, Laura Dern is nominated for Supporting Actress for Marriage Story. She is Laura Dern, nominated for Best Supporting Actress. And then Best Original Screenplay, Noah Baumbach. And then Best Original Score for Randy Newman for his hit song, You Got Divorced With Me. You got divorced with me. Take my son and move away from me. Take my son and you move to L.A. Well, I like New York, but I'm going to (laughs) stay. You got divorced with me. It has the consistent win of Golden Globe, BAFTA, and Critics' Choice for Laura Dern playing... Uh, Scarlett Johansson's lawyer. I don't understand why it's like the hands down favorite for uh, this role. Uh, is it like a comeback? I mean, is it because the Academy Awards don't give award for TV and they're like, we just love her in Big Little Lies. Yeah, like, I mean, we've mentioned two other actresses that like Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson uh, for their roles as supporting actress that they're nominated for that I think deserve it more. And quite frankly, Kathy Bates was just amazing in Richard Jewell. Yeah, I mean, she was amazing in Richard Margot Jewell. Margot Robbie was great in Bombshell. I mean, all these women were wonderful that were in Best Supporting Actress. And I think Laura Dern is really good in Marriage Story as well. Uh, maybe I'm missing something, but um, I, w- I would not be upset if she won. I just don't understand why it's like, Oh no! She, she is the clear won. winner. Yeah. She's won ever. She swept it for this award season. It's been Laura Dern, Laura Dern, Laura Dern, and it's like okay. I'll say if we're talking snubs, why didn't Ray Liotta get a best supporting actor nom? I think. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he played Ray Liotta as a lawyer. You but make still. a good case for Ray Liotta. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, her character was fun. It was like this kind of jerk, kind of villain. Lawyer, but it has some kind of very LA. Well, yeah, very. She was the perfect LA divorce lawyer. She's giving her her book at the beginning of the meeting. It was very clean and white and crisp in there. She's so thin. It was just she's perfect for that role, and she was great in that role. And there's nothing wrong with her winning this role. I'll be thrilled for her if she wins it. It's just. Why is everyone just like, yes, it's her, it's her, it's her, it's her. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, I think she deserves it, too. And I think it could be a moment where this is a a nomination for and a win for her whole body of work. I mean, what else can we say about this? It was powerful. It definitely hit a nerve. There was it was very real. There was so much about it that just felt really raw. There's not a lot of music throughout it, which is interesting as it's up for best original score. And I will say whenever there was music, I every time I hear that tune, I know that it's this movie. 
Uh, but there were so many parts of it that just did not have any music at all. And you just you, you felt for them. You felt for both of them. There were times that you felt so passionate and on uh, his side. And there's times that you felt so passionate and on her side. And there's just there's beauty to all of it. There's beauty to the hatred between them. There's beauty to the love between them. And I think it's great. And I think it's so real and personal of a story. So good for him for writing this. I I agree with a lot of that. The movie kind of strikes a nerve for anyone that's went through a divorce. And uh, whether you were a kid watching your parents go through a divorce or you yourself watching it have been through a divorce, I think the movie really is a very true and honest portrayal of all that. And sometimes it can be not really that rewatchable. It's more like suffocating, you know, yeah. of uh, the, the scenes that you're in because the predicament is not simple both ways. It's one would argue you're t- kind of taking Adam Driver's side for most of this, mm-hmm. but you can kind of see her point of view as well. And I think that was the point is that no one is really the villain in this movie or the hero, which is a very complicated, tough situation. So an interesting thing um, is that directors Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach began dating in 2011. They have a child together, as we mentioned, and they each have a film nominated for Best Picture, Gerwig for Little Women and Baumbach for Marriage Story. So this is actually the first time it happened. It's the first time that a couple, well, a known couple, because it's Hollywood, so there could be secret couples, but it's the first time that a known couple have both had pictures nominated for best picture yeah and that's awesome because they're also both nominated for their screenplays yeah with her being adapted and him being original maybe they'll both win that i don't think so though no <laughs> I, I could see greta gerwig <laughs> winning but i i see tarantino's original screenplay for sure do you have a fake award for this i'd say best use of frequent flyer miles Ooh. yeah that's nice you think you got some southwest points for this I just uh, I hope so, or Rapid I hope he signed. Rewards. I hope he signed up for some programs because he did a lot of flying between New York and L.A., which <laughs> is list for life. Those are uh, you can rack up some miles fast. Oh yeah, and he was like, and they were last minute miles too, so this wasn't like the want to get away package. He's going business class. Yeah, I mean he is like a theater director, but they don't make that much money. He got a grant, though. He got a huge grant that she tried to take half of. This was all documented in the court case. All right. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen this much flying since Up in the Air. So, Ooh, you know, this nice. is a uh, good use of flights. <laughs> um, my fake award, I think, is best reason to just not get married. <laughs> um, it seems horrible. There seems to be no upside to marriage um, and definitely don't have children. That's that was my takeaway <laughs> or, or prenuptial <laughs> agreement. Takeaway for all that. <laughs> You know, I thought the movie would have had a better title, too. Um, it should have been called Divorce Story. Right. Because mainly they got divorced. Right. Spoiler. So besides supporting actress, do you see it winning anything else? I don't think so. I mean, as I've said, Adam Driver is a passionate actor. And I think he'll be one of those that he'll get this role. He'll get a role that's going to be his winning role. And this one is not it for him because Joaquin Phoenix exists. Yeah. (laughs) But he's great. He's amazing. He's dramatic. He's awesome. He's cool. Marriage Story, going to win. Supporting Actress. That's probably it. Probably it. Just uh, Netflix. Happy to be here. So, you got another movie. This might have been our favorite movie. At 152 minutes long, 
It's Ford versus Ferrari. American automotive designer Carol Shelby and fearless British race car driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference, the law of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary vehicle for the Ford Motor Company. Together, they plan to compete against the race cars of Enzo Ferrari at a big race in France in 1966. Directed by James Mangold. So Ford versus Ferrari. We uh, disclosed this at the beginning of the show. This is the one that we did not watch. Not um, for lack of trying, just so, for lack of wanting to spend the money. So we're going to critique the trailer. Yes. We're going to critique the trailer and everyone involved that we've heard of before. I think um, when the nominations came out, the biggest, uh, uh, I guess, uh, snub was Christian Bale as Best Actor because he was nominated for Golden Globe for Best Actor. So it kind of seemed like, oh, he didn't get picked for this round. They did win, but just one BAFTA for Best Editing. So they did win for editing. Yeah, that's the only win. I think this is a weird film for me because I haven't seen it, but just looking at nominated for Best Picture, then editing, sound editing, and sound mixing. I have not seen the the film yet, but it is kind of interesting that it's kind of thrown in here with Best Picture. Right. Seems like it was a really good movie, but if usually you see a Best Picture, it packs in more awards than Right. It's only four. nominated for four. It's nominated for Best Picture, Best Editing, Best Sound Editing, and Best Sound Mixing. And I've, I've read some reviews on it that people are saying it's probably the best car race editing you'll ever see. Uh, sound is amazing. It's it's got it. It's got all these pieces, but it didn't have enough pieces to kind of fill out the rest of the categories. I think this was this was also like the first like race car themed movie to be nominated for best picture as well. I think that kind of was well, a new thing too. This bodes well for Fast 9. Yeah, <laughs> Fast 9 even faster. <laughs> Vin Diesel, John Cena, brothers with family. Um based on what I've heard and read and the trailer, it seems like that this will end up being a very uh, potential rewatchable film uh, moving forward. I don't know where it falls into the Academy Awards this year. It might kind of just kind of fall forgotten as far as that it was even nominated for stuff. Oh, yeah. But it sounds like it could win for editing. But mm-hmm. I just think this is one that just maybe maybe this is like a sound movie. But it seems like that's kind of reserved for 1917. I mean, we said it. Uh, Christian Bale was probably snubbed for actor. If it could win for something, it's probably going to be an editing award. I think it's interesting that we've basically said it could win for three-fourths of the things it was nominated for. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's if it's nominated for it, it must be that good. Yeah, or just like... It has none of the big major ones that make it a best picture. No actors, no director, no screenplay. It, yeah. And that, it's weird. I mean, I love that it's kind of... Uh, you know, it's not a superhero movie. It's not, you know, it's it's kind of its own thing. It's a true story. Yeah, it's telling the story of, I guess, Ford versus Ferrari, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we should have not said that we didn't see it. It's the story of Ford versus Ferrari. We're all just honest. Yes, yeah. so. we're all about um, honesty. Do you have a fake award for this? Well, really quick, I was going to say, you know, director James Mangold, you know, his films do get into the Oscars. Mm -hmm. He did Walk the Line. And uh, I mean, what were the other ones that he did? James Mangold. 310 to Yuma? 
Yeah, like 310 to Yuma was an amazing movie as well. So Ford vs. Ferrari, I will see you as soon as probably Tuesday. After we will the see you when it's $1.99, <laughs> not when it's $20. <laughs> Blu-ray is like $2.50. So. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> do you have a fake award? I do have a fake award, and I think maybe this is your award as well for it. Uh, best film I haven't seen yet. <laughs> so Crazy. That was mine. Yeah, uh, it's it's best it's... trailer. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> uh, for all the people that are fans of Ford vs. Ferrari, in all seriousness, it looks like a really great movie. We just haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So I hope we do not offend. We will not offend. And if it is really great and we really enjoy it, maybe we'll do a full episode dedicated to it in honor of Ford and his Ferraris. It's not Ford <laughs> and his Ferraris. It's Ford vs. Ferrari. We have to take down Ferrari. Ooh. You need 200, 300 years. You know what it's about? It's about America versus Italy. Speaking right. of America. Speaking of America, let's go take a trip to Hollywood. <laughs> At 161 minutes long, our second longest movie, but still not the longest. It's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Actor Rick Dalton gained fame and fortune by starring in a 1950s television western but he's now struggling to find meaningful work in a Hollywood that he doesn't recognize anymore. He spends his time drinking and driving around with Cliff Booth, his easygoing best friend and longtime stunt double. Rick also happens to live next door to Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate, the filmmaker and budding actress whose futures will be forever altered by members of the Manson family. Directed by Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. Um... There's a style behind a Tarantino film. Yeah, this this film is rightfully so nominated for 10 awards. I think when we look back at this year, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is probably the best picture mm-hmm. of this whole category. I think Parasite was really great too, but this film, wow. I loved it, but we have to take away the fact that we are movie people. We have a podcast about movies. We both work in the creative industry of film and television. We have a passion about this. So, yes, it's going to be a film that we really enjoy, we really like. Also, huge crime fan over here. I love that kind of stuff. I know a lot about the Manson family and reading this. This is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's about Hollywood and about the dark side of Hollywood and it's a comedy and that's kind of special to us but there's other movies there's there's other movies you got to look at them as a whole and say no they might be better I mean I don't know I just don't know if I agree with you on that as in it's the best picture this year I don't think it's the best picture this year I think it's the one that I will watch many times and enjoy a good laugh and but I'm not watching it passionately as I'm like excited to watch Parasite again and watch the nuances and try to learn the things that I might have missed in first viewing. With this, I'm like, no, I watched it. It was great. I'll do it again. Ha ha ha. More fun things. Brad Pitt looks great. He did look great. He looks great. Uh, <laughs> he, he looks like me, you know, just like. <laughs> you can't see uh, here in podcast land, but when Max takes his shirt off, Spitting image of Brad Pitt. She's like, whoa, Pitt. 
I think it's just like most Tarantino movies, they age very well. Yes. And there's not a single Tarantino movie out there that doesn't hold up or is not entertaining. Right. And I know that a huge heavy critique from a lot of people that also claim to be Tarantino fans have been like, well, I don't know. This is kind of just boring. Nothing really happens. And for that, I say, well, what movie were you watching? Because... <laughs> A lot of stuff happens in this. It's just, it's told in a different way. This is, of course, during, like, Tarantino's kind of had three phases so far of his directing career. And this is kind of like the phase now that he's in with this, like, revisionist history. So right. we can get into all the Manson family stuff later, but... It's fun. It's a lot of fun, but it's also taking place in this setting during, like, the golden era cinema as it's dying. You see one character played by Leo DiCaprio, and you basically see him... Uh, phasing out mm-hmm. and uh, you know the this era of cinema that he's just made like um, a generous living off of and he's kind of dying out because no one is really into movies as much anymore yeah, and because it was the boom's over and then you way see, of life was changing and you see Sharon Tate who's entering this brand new and it's amazing because she's new to this whole industry and she's trying to make a name for herself and she has to go to a film for a matinee and has to say to the person working, like, well, I'm in this picture. Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that that was going on in the movie that it just kind of, like, was showing the character of people dealing with, you know, Rick Dalton realizing he's not kind of, he's a has-been now and how he's dealing with that in just life because a lot of people have that crisis in life. Right. But it's also while the film, the golden era cinema that we were in is kind of phasing out as well and it's changing completely. Right. And the, and the thing is Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth are made up characters but the other people in the movie were very real people that lived that existed in hollywood and so he put these two caricatures in this world and these two caricatures are who we're following and they're interacting with these stars along the way and that that gives quentin tarantino the freedom to be creative with it to go crazy with it to take stories that we know are true and make them a fantasy and it's really fun i really enjoyed when margot robbie um, as Sharon Tate went to see herself in the theater because he didn't choose to recreate a Sharon Tate role and put it as the movie she's watching with starring Margot Robbie. He used actual footage from that movie that Sharon Tate was in. It was lovely. It worked. It didn't take you out of the picture and make you say, oh, wait, what is she? Wa- who is that that she's watching? No, you knew what she was watching. You knew that moment. Margot Robbie is just so lovely in that scene too. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a really good movie. And what I'm trying to say is right now it feels like this shouldn't be best picture. It, yeah. it feels like 1917 and Parasite, it makes sense that this being, uh, those being the front runners. My point is that I always feel that what happens though is like five, maybe even 10 years later, you're revisiting a movie watching like, man, this movie's really good. Like, other Tarantino movies are like that as well, like Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Scorsese has had movies in the past like Raging Bull's amazing. Oh, that didn't win Best Picture. And you always kind of look back at what won. I don't want to discredit 1917, but I feel like there's a chance 1917, like, oh, yeah, 1917. Like, no offense to Birdman or something, but I haven't watched Birdman for like a few years now. You know? Right. No, I think 1917 is probably a one-time watch. And um, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might be that movie that when we look back at that year, be like, oh, I think that was the best picture that year. Um, but maybe not right now while we're in the moment of it. Also, it got released during the summer, so it's been it's been a while now. Um, 
it's nominated though for 10 awards and rightfully yeah. so for all that best picture best director best actor for leonardo dicaprio best supporting actor for bradley pitt <laughs> best original screenplay quentin tarantino best cinematography best costume design best production design best sound mixing best sound editing uh, best shirtless man yeah um, and the list goes on and the list goes on no, um, that was it brad Actually. has won he has swept it He's, uh, much like Miss Laura Dern, he has Laura swept Dern-ing it. it. Yeah. He Laura Dern'd it. Uh, won the Critics' Choice, the BAFTA, and the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor. Also won the SAG Award, Best Supporting Actor. Um, and Quentin Tarantino won the Golden Globe and Critics' Choice for Original Screenplay. Uh, it also won the Golden Globe for Best Picture, Musical, or Comedy. But we know that the Academy Awards only has one Best Picture category, not two like the Globes. Which is something maybe we can talk about in a little bit of like... Why Maybe they should. Why don't, why don't you just have two different ones? Whatever. Maybe. I mean, it's obviously going to win supporting actor, uh, yes. but it's also like the Dern. It's going to be that career award because I think Brad Pitt has done great work. Yeah. And he has never gotten this kind of recognition. So it's great. Uh, I can't really say it was snubbed for anything because it's nominated for 10 things. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's been snubbed as far as nominations go, but. I mean, it know. didn't get editing it deserved a nomination for editing but looking at the other ones nominated i think i'm fine with it being left off that list um but yeah i don't really know what else it could be nominated for (laughs) besides that i think it's possibly gonna get snubbed for best picture um i think that and parasite i think i'll enjoy rewatching more but once again i totally understand why 1917 is gonna win Mm -hmm. uh supporting actor yeah i'm a little shocked uh Brad Pitt was amazing in that movie, but I wasn't really expecting just like the Laura Dern thing to just be, oh, hands down, this person wins everything. But uh, yeah, Brad Pitt will definitely win supporting actor. Everyone in this list with him uh, of best supporting actor are amazing, world-renowned, award-winning actors. Are you sure? Because there's two people from The Irishman. In I, can, I cannot be a fan of the Irishman, but still be able to respect Al Pacino and Joe Pesci, for God's sakes. Come on. It, it, these are these act Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci and Brad Pitt. You don't expect Brad Pitt to be the front runner in this. And he is the front runner. So you think Cliff Booth is uh, going to beat up Mr. Rogers and Jimmy Hoffa? <laughs> so you think? Yeah. Um, Mr. Rogers got snubbed last year. I think if I had to pick my like second best supporting actor, I would say it would be Al Pacino from The Irishman. Yes. But uh, Brad Pitt was awesome in the role. Uh, he, the character was great. Funny thing about that character, though, is he wasn't really uh, a good person. <laughs> There's some really shitty qualities in him. And I don't want to give away a lot of stuff about the movie, but... Uh, there's a lot of moments where they kind of give you reasonable doubt of like, is this guy a piece of shit? <laughs> I think he is, but somehow Brad Pitt just makes me really like this it. character. It was that shirtless roof scene. Spoiler uh, alert. And uh, I assume that's going to be your fake award. Um, it's not. Okay, okay. And then I also think it's uh, Tarantino's going to win for best original screenplay. Uh, one other thing with Tarantino, though, uh, he's yet to have a best picture. And it seems kind of weird, and supposedly his ninth and final film that's coming up, I'm assuming that's just going to be the one that wins everything. Yeah. 
uh, whatever it is. So it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> it would be interesting. If it's, I'd actually like him uh, to do a Mr. Rogers movie next year. We could have three years in a row yeah. that we're talking about Mr. Rogers movies, but this will be the Quentin Tarantino Mr. Rogers movie. Revisionist history, Mr. Rogers. Well, my fake award is Best Death, which I'm just going to leave it at that because A, we're not going to spoil it. B, if you don't know, you need to go watch that movie right now for the best death scene. I mean, I'm going to go with um, my fake award. Just going to piggyback on you. Uh, just best fight. Yeah. Um, now, there's about. There's a lot of fights in there. There's a lot of fights in there. So it I'm, might not be the best fight. We might not be talking about the same fight. I'm, I'm picking uh, <laughs> the, the fight at the end. Okay. Best final fight. Fight to the death. Best finale. How about that? Actually, change my award. Best finale. I also have a Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, I would like to give for this movie, uh, and it is the Lifetime Achievement of Women's Feet. Okay. Uh, I think it, it featured a lot of great ones. Got We had feet against a window. We had feet up on the back of a seat. We had feet walking. I just Yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Uh, that's uh, I, I agree with your feet. So, yeah, obviously Tarantino really likes feet. But, really you know, does. You know, Scorsese likes making long movies, you know? <laughs> so. They, they all got their things. So, mm-hmm. uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, awesome film, loved it. It's probably going to win those two awards, um, unless you think it's going to get anything else. I'm excited for MTV Movie Awards because I think it's going to win a few of those too. <laughs> best, best kiss. Best kiss. Does anyone even kiss in that movie? Don't think too hard about it. <laughs> all right, our ninth and final film. And remember, we organize these by length, so you, of course, know the ending it on is our list. 209 minutes long. So 209 minutes. That is uh, like three hours and 29 minutes. It's like a minutes. basketball game. Yeah, it's about a basketball game. It's game's a basketball length. game's yeah. length. It's about the Super Bowl. But with so. only white people. Yeah, that's true. It's, of course, <laughs> we're talking about the Irishman. The Irishman. <laughs> The film follows Frank Sheeran, a truck driver who becomes a hitman involved with mobster Russell Buffalino and his crime family, including his time working for the powerful teamster Jimmy Hoffa. Based on the 2004 nonfiction book, I Heard You Paint Houses by Charles Brandt. Directed by Martin, I like a long film, Scorsese. Nominated for nine awards, including all of the big ones. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor for both Al Pacino and Joe Pesci, who came out of retirement to do this film. Uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Production Design, Best Cinematography, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing, and Best Visual Effects. It won nothing at the BAFTAs and nothing at the Golden Globes. And that... Probably is going to happen here, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, kind of interesting uh, movie to be nominated so much in a consistent way for all these different award shows, but just to come up empty-handed for everything. And I would like to point out the visual effects are making Robert De Niro look slightly younger than Robert De Niro. 
Um, I think you're kind of oversimplifying <laughs> what it is. There's some really interesting technology that's introduced in this movie with the de-aging and overly aging. And I mean, it's, it's important for this movie, but yeah, there are some times where it just becomes absolutely distracting that we're supposed to take <laughs> Robert De Niro. Joe Pesci be like, hey kid, De Niro. to Robert De Niro. <laughs> Listen, I don't think it was necessarily a terrible movie. It's just a lot of long, long, long time for me to sit on a couch because it's a Netflix movie. If it was in the theater, I probably would have a little more stamina um, and I would have more popcorn. Yeah, and I mean, this was, uh, you can watch this on Netflix. You made the joke earlier that Netflix did not pause in the middle. Like, are you still watching? <laughs> Um, I would have I would have probably enjoyed it more in a theater because it would have held my attention more. Yeah, it would have been interesting too to just play have like there be a young De Niro in this movie, um, and then he kind of plays the the married you know De Niro going on. But um, overall, it didn't bother me that much because um, the film itself was just very like a uh, very epic length and. Um, the film enough gave me enough like where I can pay attention to what's happening to not be so distracted of Robert De Niro's baby blue eyes. <laughs> I mean, he um, should have boyhooded it and he should have taken footage during Raging Bull Day. And let then, me and, go. And <laughs> Richard Linklater gave you a movie that was 10 years old. But now Martin Scorsese gives you a movie that's 40 years old. And four years long. <laughs> and it's four years long to watch. It will be done by the time the Oscars are done for the 95th annual. Um, with all jokes aside, though, it was a very, um, it was a great story. It, yes. was, it was definitely very long and all, all jokes aside, it had a great theme that death waits for no one. Right. Um, it dealt with mobsters. And go through the chronicle time of, of course, um, Robert De Niro coming up through the ranks as a hitman, mm-hmm. uh, family, and his falling, failing relationship with his daughter, while his growing friendship with Jimmy Hoffa. Um, Al Pacino is fantastic in this movie. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci is Pesci. I love him. Yeah, he's great. Um, it was. I think the movie ended very well for me. And I think there's some really awesome moments at the beginning, but for the most part, it was when we really get into the Jimmy Hoffa moments. That's kind of like where the movie really gets hooked for me. But I believe it takes like about 40 minutes to get into Of course Jimmy it Hoffa does. It moments. takes forever to get there. My fake award um, for it was best nap because I took a nap uh, in the middle of it and just kind of woke <laughs> up for Jimmy Hoffa and enjoyed the rest of the movie after that. But there was so yeah. much about it that I was like, okay. I get. Yeah, I mean, the ending is very poetic, and it was really great. And I think De Niro really did get snubbed here for best mm-hmm. actor. Um, that was not an easy role for him to do, even though it seems like he's in a lot of types of these movies. But there was a sense of all aside, the kind of family. Like we're also getting the amazing opportunity to watch these legends that we just know right from all these classic films no one else could kind put those like all just, together yeah exactly and they that's wouldn't have done we, it for anyone else and just like what you said about with directors like scorsese got all these guys back together al and pacino he got himself De Niro. A director nomination interesting I know. well that's what we're talking about but uh de niro and pacino i feel like this is like the first time they've been together since heat so it's been a while <laughs> 
And, you know, I thought Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, uh, De Niro, just all amazing in this film as well. And um, it is kind of rough because sometimes they are getting so old. And when I saw De Niro so old towards the end, it gets me sad that, you know, eventually one, one day we're going to lose <laughs> these guys. But I don't want to get too morbid about it. But, like, that's kind of like a theme of the movie, though. Yes. It's just like, you know, eventually death comes from everyone. Right. And, um, yeah, like the life of a hitman. Just, Juliet, got any other thoughts? We joke about how I didn't like this movie. That's not true. I do, I liked the movie. It's just, there was a lot of it that could have hit the cutting room floor. So, I wouldn't give it the best editing award. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you think... (laughs) Martin Scorsese is like, you didn't cut any of this out. Whatever. <laughs> you didn't even edit it. Whatever. You're going to get nominated, bro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- there were some some unnecessary bits here and there, uh, but I did love seeing all of those men together again. Um, it was something that only Scorsese could have put together. And uh, Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa was amazing. I think if Brad Pitt wasn't the front runner here. We'd be gunning for him and like hoping that he would win. Yeah. Interesting fact: uh, the average age of the supporting actor nominees is seventy-one, um, which is considerably older than the average age of any previous winner in this category, which is forty-nine. So, average age seventy-one. We have Brad Pitt at fifty-six, Tom Hanks sixty-three, Joe Pesci seventy-six, Al Pacino seventy-nine, and Anthony Hopkins at eighty-two. It Wait, might... Brad Pitt's fifty-six, and he looks like that. This is what I'm saying. Whoa. <laughs> Just, Max is doing I'm crunches getting, right now. I'm just, getting, oh, I'm just getting so sad because that means like Brad Pitt's going to be 60 soon. All right. You're really thinking a lot about people's death. Age. Age is a, age age is is a, a number. See, so you should not have watched The Irishman. No, maybe I needed to see that movie. Um, Juliet, will this movie win anything? I, no, I honestly don't think it'll win anything. It didn't win any BAFTAs, Golden Globes. It did win Best Ensemble at Critics' Choice, but it, that means nothing. That's right, just what right. the critics think. And the critics are all old white men that love this. The critics are all dads. They're all dads. My dad watched this so many times. Well, what's he up to? How many hours of Irishman has your dad watched? I don't... I, that would actually be really funny if we could get like a screen count at the end of it every night. <laughs> My sister said that he has watched it five times since figuring out that he can get Netflix on the TV, which, by the way, they've had Netflix on that TV for over a year. <laughs> the funny thing with The Irishman is that Netflix never interrupted it and said, are you still watching? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. All right. I think maybe maybe this will get. Maybe costume design, but I period just... pieces always win, says your mom. Well, sometimes <laughs> mom's wrong. So, Ooh, what's your fake award for the Irishman, Max? Uh, longest movie, <laughs> um, winner, clear ha- winner, hands down one. Uh, it was a pretty long one. So, was there what like what is the longest movie ever? Uh, I think the longest movie was Heaven's Gate. I think it was like five and a half hours. And I will never watch that movie. Five and a half hours? I will never, ever, ever. Don't ask me to watch it. It's either five hours of The Office or <laughs> one viewing of Heaven's Gate. Actually, it's on Hulu. So if you wanted to waste a chunk of your day watching Heaven's Gate, you can watch it on Hulu. All right. I just might. <laughs> Let's wrap up the show. I got some Heaven's Gate to watch before bed. 
So those were your Best Picture nominees for the 92nd Academy Awards. The 92nd? <laughs> I thought you said 90 seconds. <laughs> like, we're stuck in time right Academy now. Academy Award be 90 <laughs> seconds. Yes. Well, there's no host this year. Oh, yeah, there is no host this year. Is that just their new thing now? Uh, or is this too many people offended people now that... I think it's just like they don't want to pay anybody. I mean, I think for one, it was they were going to have Kevin Hart last year. Then he offended people. Mm-hmm. Well, um, he like refused to apologize. He refused for to stuff apologize. And I think they were just like, we don't have time for this. You know what? Fuck it. Let's just do no host. We don't have to pay anybody. We'll just go hostless. And it worked. They shaved like 20 minutes off of it. And no one really seemed to care too much. So they were like, eh, let's do it again. But I will say. That they did announce a performer. Billie Eilish is going to be performing her song um, that is for the new James Bond movie. And Wait, it's not, it's not even a movie that came out yet? It's like the new James Bond movie? It's the new movie? James Bond movie. She has a song. She will be performing it in a, like, a special segment. And uh, she will be the youngest performer to do a performance like this at the Oscars. She is 18 years old. Wait, so to save time on an award show, they have already five songs that are going to be played because they're nominated, but then they're just going to throw in a James Bond song yes. as well? Well, they always got to do the, like, the these people are dead thing, and they got to do these the, people like... Are dead thing. The yeah, in-memorium. in memoriam. They got to do the in-memoriam. They got to do the, like, you know... The, it'll probably be some kind of, like, lifetime achievement to James Bonds. I don't know. Because isn't it like Daniel Craig's last one, they're going to get a new Bond, or maybe there's a new Bond coming? Um, I mean, there's been talks, but... So it talks about I mean, an African-American the, Bond and talks of a female Bond. We just saw during the Super Bowl that the 25th Bond movie's coming out, so I mean, that's all I really know. So maybe it's Daniel Craig's last Bond, and maybe it's a... Like, you really just want to get rid of Daniel Craig. <sighs> it's time for a change. So what are they going to do with that extra cash, then? Just pay Billie Eilish? Probably. That girl just won like 11 Grammys or something. Only 11? I don't know. What is she, the Joker? I made up a number. Nominated for 11. (laughs) Uh, Will they ever have a host again? I'm sure they will. I'm sure at some point there's going to be an America's sweetheart or a comedian that they're going to say, yeah, let's throw them in there. Better not be Tiffany Haddish. I'll just say it here right now. You know how I feel about her. But they'll have, they'll do it again. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting without a host. I mean, Ricky, Ricky Gervais was like amazing during the Golden Globes. So, but I can see why the uh, Academy not is not into it. Um, a couple other just like fun facts uh, that I found: songwriter Diane Warren. Uh, she got a nomination for best original song for the movie uh, Breakthrough, and it is her eleventh Oscar nomination with zero wins. So if she loses again this year she will have the most nominations for a female artist without a win at the oscars um some other things that she was nominated for but didn't win were leanne rhymes how do i live which was from con air aerosmith's i don't want to miss a thing from armageddon and faith hill's there you'll be from pearl harbor so she wrote all of those songs nominated zero wins Okay. So I don't know if she'll win this year. I've been listening to all the songs. I'm feeling the Elton John Oscar bait song as the winner, uh, but we'll see. Maybe Diane Warren will get her day in the sun. I think uh, 
for song, it's either Frozen Two or Rocket Man. I don't see Frozen Two. Who saw Breakthrough? A lot of Catholics. <laughs> okay, catch. Um, I have uh, kind of sad, but kind of interesting. Uh, Judy Garland never won an Oscar. She was expected to win uh, for 1950s Stores Star is Born. On the evening of the Academy Awards, she was actually in the hospital because she had just given birth. And production even had cameras set up around the hospital bed to capture her speech because they were so sure she was going to win. However, Grace Kelly won for The Country Girl. The cameraman immediately wrapped up the gear, dismounted the equipment, and left the room. So it's like this really Judy Carlin moment of disappointment where it was just like, oop, unscrew the camera, bye-bye, left the room immediately. Yeah, and I mean, Renee Zellweger is definitely going to win for Best Actress. She's definitely going to win, and I kind of feel like this is almost an honorary award for Judy Garland if she does win, because she played her so beautifully. Hopefully she doesn't do that damn Texas accent that came out of nowhere during her speech, and she thanks Judy Garland for her amazing body of work and for everything that she went through to be this icon. I think that's kind of an underrated movie this year. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's only nominated for that is kind of bizarre to me. Yeah. Um, that should have gotten a costume nomination. It should have got a few things. Um, I don't I don't know what off the top of my head, but just a little bit more recognition. And I think that there's some people that will probably never watch this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because sometimes the Oscars kind of give us a reason to be like, oh, I should check that out. It did get makeup. And so and it got nominated styling. for makeup. So makeup and hairstyling, yeah. And then actress, but uh, I think it's going to be kind of possibly an overlooked movie. But it was actually a pretty amazing movie. Yeah. And um, her performance, if you're not convinced throughout the whole thing, I mean, like just the ending scene is it's beautiful. Ma- <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah. Breath. It, it kind of makes you stop what you're doing. Yes. Although you should be not doing anything else because you're watching a movie. It makes you put your phone down. But I can some tell you that. Some people have their phones. So <laughs> there were other great movies from 2019 that weren't mentioned, but we do recommend you see. I mean, I know Adam Sandler. There's been a lot of people vocal about, and even himself, he was vocal about his snub for actor because he really gave it his all in Uncut Gems. He killed it. Yeah, I mean, there was some really great movies from 2019 that um, it's sad that they'll never be kind of part of this award show. Um, Uncut Gems was great. Um, Yeah, like uh, we were also talking about like Honey Boy, um, Peanut Butter Falcon. Um, I mean, I didn't think like when I saw Peanut Butter Falcon, like, oh, this is going to get nominated for... Academy right. Awards. I just feel like it's a good movie that people should see. I have when people have asked me, like, any movies would you recommend? I say, you know, Peter Butter Falcon was great. I've said Beach Bum. It's a really, really yeah, great well, watch. I was going to mention, like, Beach Bum would be so, it's so wild if it even got recognized because I know there's some people that have watched this and probably just been like, fuck was that movie exactly. <laughs> uh, but that was kind of the point i thought beach bum was kind of severely underrated this year um but at the same time we'll not fault anyone if they go like ah oh, that movie was kind of just dumb I'm like i thought it was amazing yeah. it's a, like harmony korean is definitely like an acquired taste it doesn't mean that you're not smart if you don't get his movies i love his stuff because i think it's always very you can interpret it in many different ways yeah uh another movie um for me art of self-defense um that was a great movie. <laughs> I, I, once again, when I saw Art of Self-Defense, this wasn't 
this is going to get nominated for Academy Awards because movies like this just don't no. get put into award shows. But it is an underrated comedy. Yeah, probably my favorite movie of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely want to recommend people to check that out. It's dark. It's witty. It's funny. It's kind of got. It's violent. Like it's kind of <laughs> got everything that you want. Uh, like There's the dry, a lot of cringy moments. Yeah, that... the dry sense of humor in it as yeah. well. It's just. I, I, there's a lot of stuff with artists. Jesse Eisenberg defense. being Jesse Eisenberg as best as any Jesse Eisenberg could be. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this will be a full film and you win someday. For yes. Art of self-defense. <laughs> well, another one, too, that I, I, you know, we mentioned it uh, briefly, but it got nominated for Best Visual Effects. But I'm a little shocked about Avengers Endgame kind of getting shut out mm-hmm. of all this. And the reason I bring it up is we made a big deal about putting Black Panther in the awards... Last year, I mean, granted, it was just nominated, I believe, for Best Picture and Best Visual Effects. I think that was it. Um, but Endgame, I mean, it's end of an era, literally. Yeah. I'm not saying Robert Downey Jr. needs to be nominated for Best Actor. But if we're talking about... No, he's going to get that for Doolittle. <laughs> uh, probably not. <laughs> but I think when you look at Avengers Endgame, whether you know, you're one of those people that goes... I'm sick of superhero movies. Totally get it. It's been oversaturated, but I think MS, MSU, MCU took us on a very wild journey throughout the years. It was very successful. Mm-hmm. People watched it. It it stuck the landing yeah. as far as an ending, and I think a lot of people were satisfied with that phase of the MCU being over. I thought it was a little interesting that sometimes movies like that kind of get thrown out there. Of Well, a lot of people saw this movie, and you know this kind of a... Endgame is kind of an overall of achievement. It's that Dern Award. It could have it could have done the Dern and gotten that Lifetime Achievement Award there. Well, if anything, it might be because it was a strong year for movies, and there were some really good ones. Yeah, I just think that it could have edged out Ford versus Ferrari, though. I know. Well, <laughs> possibly, yeah. We don't know. We don't know really. Uh, hard to draw that opinion. I, I saw fifty percent of those movies. Um, but looking back, I think when we look back at the year of 2019, you're going to remember Avengers Endgame. Yeah. It was a big part of the movies this year. Um, as far as just, I mean, it was in the theaters forever. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird, like, you know, sound mixing, sound editing, you know? Yeah. Best, best uh, animated feature. Because you know? <laughs> half of it was, was animated. Um, yeah, I think that was a little shocking that it got yes. left out. Um, that's the only thing that, that these are the only movies that really can kind of come to the top of my head. Yeah. But, um, do you have any other ones, Juliet? I don't think so. But if we think of more, we'll do a filming you in for them because we've got some new shows coming up. Yeah. We've got a couple backlogged episodes that we recorded and then never had time to edit. So we'll get those going. Um, we're, yeah. we'll, we're going to try to have a solid season. What, what, what was your worst movie of 2019? I, I'm probably going to say the worst movie of 2019 is Serenity. Yeah. 
We saw the movie Serenity starring Matthew McConaughey. We knew it was going to be bad going into it. We saw it because we were going to a live taping of one of our favorite podcasts, How Did This Get Made? It's a pretty bad movie when you have two Academy Award winners Yeah. in in this film and you have to watch it the whole time and go like, they chose to be in this movie. They were like, love (laughs) this script. So that's your worst movie 2019? That probably is. If I saw a list of all the movies this year, I might pick something else. It'd be a long list. That was a, I know, I watched a lot of movies this year, but that would be a strong one for me. I, I mean, I love it. And, you know, it has a memory because we did go see the How Did This Get Made. Oh, you just, said, you just said memory and it made me think of the other worst movie of 2019. I, I, didn't, even, I didn't even mean to do that, but my pick is Cats. Oh, God. I Because um, I, I kept thinking it was a 2020, I think. Here's the thing. I think Cats was really interesting as far as the worst movie this year because... <laughs> Um, there's some parts of it that I did not dislike my experience watching it. Uh, very much full of bizarre choices throughout this film <laughs> as far as just everything. Nothing little things sense. from like the, the size scale of the cats to why do they need to move this way um, to just kind of overly catting in this movie. But on top of that, though. If you like the songs from Cats, it definitely delivers on that. Listen, you get to hear I am those a songs Cats from Cats. musical. Fa- I am a musical fan. I remember the Cats musical very well. I saw it, um, and I I loved the stage show. It was weird, but there's something you know beautiful and yeah. um, a lot of ballet, a lot of acrobatics. It's a great live show to see. It did not deliver in the movie. <laughs> Right. There were some missing pieces, including missing CGI effects. And uh, and I'm pretty sure Cats... Cats really, will go down in history. <laughs> Cats, I think the saddest part is that they really thought going into this project that they were going to be looking at multiple Academy Awards, including probably Best Director. Well, they even wrote a song for <laughs> Best it. Best original song for Taylor Swift. <laughs> uh, probably Best Visual Effects, and that was Oof. far from it. Well, maybe when they finish the movie yeah. in 2020, they'll be up for it. Um, but yeah, my worst movie of 2019 is Cats. I think that we should do a filming you in a and, Cats. And I think also, I'm, I'm game. Yes. That means we have to watch it again, though. Oh, yeah. Um, another thing, though, with Cats, though, is when we look back at 2019, once again, that will be a movie of, that is the year that gave us Cats. Yes. And I think Cats will end up being like one of those. We already went to a rowdy screening of yes. it where people like kind of. Throwing things. Hoot and holler. And, and, well, no one threw anything, but interactive, you know? Yes. Uh, people held up napkins for Jennifer Hudson's boogers. Oh, God. But uh, she's going to, she, she'll be okay because she's got Aretha Franklin coming this yeah, year. So. Yeah. She made some better decisions. <laughs> um, before we wrap this up, let's just kind of go through the major ones. Best picture, we're basically saying what, 1917? 1917, but we both. Call other movies probably better pictures. Yeah. Uh, Best director. We're going with, once again, Sam Mendes Mm -hmm. from 1917. Uh, We're looking at best actor is going to be Joaquin Phoenix from Joker. Best supporting actor. We're going with Brad Pitt from Mm -hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Best actress will be Renee Zellweger from Judy. Best supporting actress will be Laura Dern from Marriage Story. And I think the other locks that I have are 1917 for cinematography and production design. And Parasite will win Best International Film. 
Okay. And we'll also go with Greta Gerwig for adapted screenplay, and we'll go with Tarantino Tarantino for original screenplay. Yep. Any other locks you have, Juliet? I'm going to go crazy here, and I'm going to go best short animated film is going to be Hair Love, because I have heard a lot of beautiful things about it, and I watch two seconds of promo for it and i want to cry so i think it's care love is gonna win best short animated and that is from someone who has seen none of them i've never heard anyone ever go like my lock for best short animated feature is hair lock hair love hair love but okay she's locking hair love um okay interesting i was yep. not expecting you to have a strong opinion about any of those well there you have it here all right. Well, this was our. This was fun. This, this we're, was we're, fun. We're back. We're back. We are everyone. back. This is the filming you in podcast. This was our Oscar special for the ninety second annual Academy Awards. It'll be on ABC with no host, yeah, but uh, probably a bunch of predictable things will happen. A lot of attractive people. And it's gonna be great. Please like and subscribe us on iTunes. You know, five stars, five stars, five stars all around. If you want to suggest a movie, put it in the comments. Give us five stars and put it in the comments. Yeah, if you give us four stars, we don't want to hear your comments. Just five exactly. stars. Exactly. Just five star comments or That's one stars. One you know what? Give stars. us a bunch of one stars. I don't care. Just kidding. <laughs> give us five stars. Give us some comments. That's what we need. That's what we want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Until next time, we can't wait to film you in again. Like film, that's what they all say. Great movies, it's the American way. I wish they had a show where they reviewed movies, which they do. It's called the Film in You Win Show. I like movies, big, big movies, big movies. Floating pictures, it's so great. Movies, so join us, everybody, for the Film in You Win Show. Let's get some lunch. Cut!